This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Back to throw is Darnold, looks left, fires one down the left side line, towards the end zone, Robbie Anderson, he's got it! That's a jet touchdown, dumps it to Bell. Welcome back to another episode of the Cool Your Jets podcast. I'm your host, Ben Blessington, and free agency has arrived. We're about a week into it. Uh, and Joe Douglas has uh, done a pretty good job the first his first go around, really capitalizing on the value free agents, uh, despite wanting to be fired and thrown under a bridge by most Jets fans. I shouldn't say most, uh, by plenty of Jets fans after the first day of free agency, uh, because he didn't get uh, you know a few of the big fish that that some Jets fans wanted. But he's really done a good job on on capitalizing on that second tier, that second wave of of free agents, uh, really learning from his protege Ozzie Newsome. So. Uh, we'll see how it pans out, but Michael and I will break down uh, the signings he's made thus far. We'll talk about some holes that are still in the Jets roster and, and how they can address them in this next uh, upcoming week of free agency. We'll talk about Robbie Anderson uh, and a whole lot more. Uh, but without further ado, let me introduce my co-host, Michael Nania. Michael, how you doing, man? I'm, I'm really excited to finally talk about free agency a little bit. There's just been so much going on. Uh, and, and like you said, some ups and downs in terms of how we as a fan base have felt about what's going on, but uh, now we get into this, I feel like that uh, it's it's been mostly positive. I really like his approach, so I'm excited to break it all down. Yeah, me too. I mean, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, I think a lot of Jets fans, including us, you know, thought that the Jets might take a big swing on one of the Zoe linemen. Um, you know, they really kind of got screwed by the Patriots uh, as Joe Tooney got franchise tagged at the 11th hour, which nobody really saw coming. Uh, and it sounds like by all reports that, that was the guy that Joe Douglas had his sights set on. Uh, it didn't really sound like he was that interested in Jack Conklin, who ended up signing with the Browns. Uh, we don't really know what happened with Graham Glasgow, if it was one of those things where, where Glasgow didn't want to sign with the Jets or Douglas uh, didn't value him at, at what he signed with uh, with Denver. So, you know, I'm still waiting on, on to hear what happened there. But I, I really do like what Joe Douglas has done. Uh, he's addressed the offensive line a lot. Uh, with a few signings, uh, you know, specifically Connor McGovern uh, at center. I think that's a really, really nice piece that they added. And George Fant was the first signing that got a little bit of flack because it's a big, bit of a boomer bust type of signing. Greg Van Roten and some others. Again, we'll break that down. Uh, but first, you can follow the podcast at CYJPod on Twitter. Uh, you can follow myself at Ben W. Blessington on Twitter. You can follow Michael at Michael underscore Nania. You can listen to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, uh, and whatever. And we're also... 
uh, now part of JetsXFactor.com, the new Jets website. Uh, it's pretty great. I'm going to be honest. You know, I'm not just saying that because I'm a part of it, but they've done a lot of great work uh, this past week breaking down the free agents. Robbie Sabo, uh, Joe Blewett, Michael, uh, myself, and even Scott Mason is a part of it. It's kind of a dream team uh, of Jets uh, media. Uh, we're really excited about it. But, Michael, why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners kind of how they can subscribe uh, to the website and, and what they'd be getting and, and just everything else about uh, JetsXFactor.com. Yeah, so we're giving away a free first month right now. Of course, with everything going on, it's uh, definitely fair to do that. But, you know, you can go to the website and just go to the membership tab and subscribe there. But I think it's so cool. And, and like you said, it's sort of a dream team kind of lineup. Me and you with Cool Your Jets. Scott Mason's going to be bringing over uh, some of his history podcasts that he used to do in the past with uh, just analyzing past Jets teams, players, uh, some really great interviews, all that stuff. He'll be bringing that over. We got Joe Blewett now. He just launched his uh, made his debut with his Connor McGovern film review over 60 plays on the new jet center. Uh, and Robbie Sabo as well has been doing some great film stuff. Obviously he did that at elite sports, New York. He's brought that here. I've been banging out the numbers every single day with the free agents doing a lot of stuff on them. I did a Pierre Desir thing today, Connor McGovern yesterday. We've got all the McGovern content you could ask for really, but, um, <laughs> We, there's just so much cool stuff. It's like a one-stop shop to get the best of film, the best of analytics uh, that's really out there with the Jets. And the profiles, I think, are really great. I've been putting those together as they've added new players. I already have them for most of the key players in the roster already. But, you know, you can go to their profile and see there's just a collection of film highlights and, you know, both lowlights and highlights in their film. But their stats as well, their advanced rankings with so many different numbers uh, that you can't find in the box score. And also we've got spider graphs just showing their uh, strengths and weaknesses as players overall in terms of uh, statistically. So really so much cool stuff throughout the site. My Darnold grades are on there, pages for every single game, uh, clips of his best and worst plays, and just breaking down the tracking numbers uh, for each game. So there's just so much cool stuff. I think it really is. Uh, and obviously I'm biased, but I do think it is the absolute best place to find Jets content. It's just got so much analytically and in terms of you know both stats and film that you can't find anywhere else. Yeah, it's really cool. You know, even if you're not into paying a subscription-based uh, thing for, for football content, at least just go check it out because, as Michael said, the first month is completely free. So uh, just go to JetsXFactor.com. Look at it. If you consider yourself kind of a football nut or a Jets uh, fanatic, you'll definitely love this site. It's it's so in-depth and incredibly well done um, by Robbie and Michael and everybody there. So, uh, yeah, just really excited that, that our podcast gets to be a part of it. Uh, and and excited to see what the future holds because it's really only been a week uh, of content like this and it's just been outstanding every day it seems like every hour there's there's something new on that site and it's always a high quality so anyways enough with that let's get into the Jets free agency we'll just start I guess kind of in the order that they uh, they were signed and and, and positions and whatnot um, but Joe Douglas and, and we talked about it at the beginning. He took a little bit of a different approach to free agency than some people wanted, um, but it's definitely the smart approach. Um, you know, he there was a quote that came out. Uh, I believe it was it was in Christian Dyer's uh, Sports Illustrated article um, that it came from a Jet source, uh, presumably inside the building, that said, you know, you can't just sign two big free agents and expect to turn a, turn around a team, which kind of sounds like a shot at McCagnan for signing uh, Mosley and Bell. But it is true that that Douglas is main objective here obviously you know needs to protect sam and build the offensive line but it's to build the depth and core of this team this the jets middle class of the roster has been absolutely barren for about the last decade i mean they've they've had some top end guys i mean look they have jamal adams you know hopefully sam darnold's the future they have guys like cj mosley and Le'Veon bell but 
you go beyond that, you look at the depth, you know, specifically on the offensive line, you look at different units around uh, the team. They just don't have the depth that you need to compete in November and December. Uh, and it's kind of seems like he's targeting that he's signing a lot of the, um, you know, younger uh, uh, value free agents that can uh, not, you know, put you in cap hell in a few years and can also just kind of round out uh, the roster. So I really like what he's done. His first signing did probably get the most flack of all of them. And that was George Fant, the tackle from the Seahawks. Uh, and, and Michael, let's, let's talk about this because this is an interesting signing. We don't necessarily know what else Joe Douglas is going to do to the tackle position. Obviously, there's the draft. A lot of people are expecting uh, Douglas to target a tackle with the 11th overall pick. Um, but right now, as it stands, the only two tackles on the Jets roster are George Fant and Chuma Adoga. Both, you don't really know what you're going to get in 2020. They're both big question marks. Fant is a guy that uh, came in super raw, but has all the athletic ability in the world. You know, played in the March Madness tournament in 2013 as a point guard, uh, and, and he even played tight end for the Seahawks a few years ago. I mean, he's just got incredible athleticism. But people look at it and see that, one, he struggled uh, a lot in 2018 and 2017 uh, when he was a younger player. He was also uh, didn't crack the starting lineup for a, a unit in Seattle that wasn't that great. So a lot of people look at that on the surface and question the move as, is this the guy that's supposed to protect Sam Donald's blind side? Uh, but I would point to, look, Joe Douglas has made his bones in this league uh, evaluating offensive line talent, and he clearly likes what he sees in George Fant. So, Michael, I'll turn it over to you. What, what, can, give, what can you give Jets fans uh, that will provide some hope uh, when it comes to George Fant, what exactly do you think Joe Douglas sees in Fant um, that inspires confidence that he could be a starting tackle uh, for this team or at the very least a swing tackle? Yeah, I think as you laid it out, it really comes down to just trusting his ability to evaluate. Because uh, like you said, that's really where he's kind of, like you said, just kind of made his made his money in this league, worked his way up, evaluating offensive linemen. Uh, some of the names that you see him attached to, like Marshall Yanda, some of those uh, that's where he's really worked his way up. So, And that's how he's going to rebuild this team uh, if he can find value on the offensive line. So uh, in terms of the numbers, there's just not much to you know give you some promise with George Fant. He's given up a very high pressure rate in his career uh, throughout all three seasons that he's played. And 2017, he missed the whole season uh, with an ACL injury. But these last two seasons in 2016, overall, he's given up 9.2% uh, pressure rate in his career. And just for perspective... Edoga and Shell combined to give up a 9% pressure rate in 2019. So it, it's bad. He has not put up good numbers uh, in the passing game. His run blocking grades haven't been great. But you look at his film, and me and you were both watching a lot of him uh, since they signed him. And it's just clear We've been that he's We've been quarantined. Yes, we have nothing yes, else to do. Yes. That we're, <laughs> we would not be watching George Fan film. I, actually, we will. We would we probably be, would be, actually. <laughs> we trust in George Fan. But low life. I, I, we were just watching Josh Andrews film yesterday. So, you know, something's going on <laughs> in the world. Uh, but yeah, with Fant, you know, when you watch him, it's clear that he is athletic. Like, I feel like some of these linemen, like they just get that tag attached to them. Like, um, like, yeah, he's really athletic or what, like anything like that. But you watch Fant, like he's clearly got really good athleticism for his size. He gets out to the second level really quickly. He can make some really good reach blocks. So he does some stuff really well athletically and if you can hone his technique uh, just bring all the technical aspects together then you know there's a really good left tackle in there so it's just it just comes down to Joe Douglas and his ability to evaluate and the coaching staff can they bring him in there and he's 28 years old so he's not a young player uh, he's been in the league for four years now so uh, there's it's not like he's a young player that's just you know still has a lot left but he does still have really uh, a lot of raw athletic tools like you said he's playing you know, point guard and uh, 
in college just a few years before coming to the league. So you do have that going for him. But uh, if it comes down to trusting this coaching staff and Joe Douglas because his performance so far has not been good. And if he doesn't improve, this deal is not going to look good for the Jets, especially if he's playing extended time at, you know, at either side, but especially a left tackle. But uh, it's not going to look good if he continues to play the same way. But if it does work out and he can't, if they can kind of help his technique out, uh, because we've seen offensive linemen, and it, it's a position that, you know, these guys play a really long time. They kind of go deeper into their 30s than most other positions do. So uh, especially for him, he's only started and finished 18 games in his career. So even though he's 28, he just hasn't, you know, gotten too many, too many reps as a starter. So uh, if they right. can bring it all together, then, you know, there could be a good player in there. So this is going to be a really good uh, just seeing how George Fant does. It's going to be a great way, uh, a great test for this coaching staff and Joe Douglas. Yeah, the analytics certainly don't uh, love FAMP. But, you know, you look at the film, specifically the film for this year, the, the games that I watched that really did show me some promise were the, the playoff game against the Eagles, uh, their their home game against the Niners. Uh, he did give up some pressures in the Cleveland game that was, you know, statistically probably or analytically probably his worst game. But he has some pretty amazing highlights. I mean, I, there were Seahawks fans, and this was a thread that circulated uh, Twitter, which, you know, I think did change some minds. Uh, it was a fan cake uh, a thread of him just laying out, you know, Nick Bosa uh, and other, you know, Derek Barnett and other top tier pass rushers. He does have some highlights. It's not like this guy is complete trash. I don't think he's, a, you know, even though the numbers don't necessarily support it, I don't think he's worse than Brandon Shell. I don't think he's worse than uh, a lot of the guys the Jets could have signed. I kind of thought they would sign a tackle like this. If you remember the last episode, I had him signing Big V. Um, I, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name again, who ended up signing with the Lions for a similar deal uh, because it, it does make sense for the Jets that I didn't think they were going to pay a ton of money to a guy like Jack Con- Jack Conklin, who has some issues in his own game. I think that the plan is definitely to draft a tackle at 11. Uh, and then I do believe that they they trust Chuma Doga and they, they believe that Chuma Doga can be their starting tackle for the future. So Fan is a guy that and look, the contract is three years, 27 million, 13 guaranteed. But you look at it, it's essentially a one-year, $9 million contract. Douglas is betting on himself, and he's either going to get the boom, you know, the, the highlights that we've seen from Fant's career that would really solidify him as a top-tier tackle, or he's going to get the bust, the low-level, um, low-floor type of Fant, and then he'll cut him after the year. Fant is a guy that can go into training camp, presumably with a rookie drafted at 11, and he can Fant can either start at right tackle, he can start at left tackle, he can battle with a Doga for one of the, for one of the spots, um, and he's a great swing tackle as well. I mean, he's a guy that that see, the Seahawks were flexing out at tight end, and he was catching passes for them. The one thing I think I've noticed from this signing, uh, and even from the pick for, uh, of Chuma Doga last year, it's clear that Adam Gase wants athleticism in his tackles, and Tony Pauline was talking about how Gase you know, wants to use wider sets from his tackles uh, in this year. So I think that points to, in the draft, who they would like, you know, guys like Tristan Wirfs or Jedrick Wills, who have tremendous athleticism, uh, maybe Mekhi Becton as well. Specifically with Wirfs, though, when you look at his athletic profile, that definitely seems intriguing if he were to fall to 11. I don't think he will, uh, since his stock has is, is had a meteoric rise in the past few weeks. But Fant, you know, for me is just, as I said, he's a high ceiling, a low floor prospect where a guy like if they were to sign, if they were to resign Kelvin Beecham would be a low ceiling, high floor type of prospect. I think Douglas is betting on himself. He's a low risk, high reward move that can compete with Chuma, can compete with the rookie, provide some depth. Uh, and look, the, the jury's still out there. They could still go and sign a guy like Jason Peters or trade for Trent Williams. Uh, if I were to grade this move, I'll give it a B minus. 
you know, I don't think he, Fant is by any means a home run. Uh, I, I don't think he's a sure thing, but there is the potential for him to hit big. There's also the potential for him to hit, you know, not so big. Uh, so I'll give him a B minus. I'll trust Douglas in his valuation, and we'll see uh, how this move uh, pans out for the Jets. Michael, if you were to give this this signing a grade, uh, what would you assign it? I think I'd go with the C. It, it all comes down to how this plays out. And like like we've been saying, we're going to learn a lot about Douglas's evaluation ability and uh, the coaching staff's ability to develop him. And that's another thing. As bad as the O-line was last season, uh, they didn't have a lot to work with in the way of development. You had Doga as a rookie, but the rest of the guys are veterans. But uh, with Fant now, Idoga going into year two, we're going to learn a lot about how they can develop up front. So I'd give it a C. I think it's a risky move uh, to you know potentially have him go into the season as a starter. But there is potential there, so it's not worth completely lambasting. Yeah, and as far as what I think Joe Douglas's best move of free agency has been so far, and that's signing Connor McGovern to a three-year, $27 million contract. Uh, look, I, I watched some film of, of his uh, from last year's for, from, uh, for Denver, uh, and it's very clear that he's a great pass protector. He's going to be huge for Sam Darnold. When we go back and you watch Jonathan Harrison and uh, Tom Compton, look, Harrison's a guy that I think is overrated by Jets fans because I went back and watched some of those games, and I forgot how truly awful he was. Just even to plug in a guy like McGovern, even if he isn't a massive, you know, A-plus top five center in the league, he'll at least be an upgrade over Harrison. He's proven that he can, you know, hold the pocket. Uh, he has great uh, pass blocking grades. He has some, you know, decent run blocking grades. And the big thing is he's durable and he doesn't get penalized that much, which is kind of a theme we've seen from Joe Douglas's signings. There are guys who are durable, you know, don't get penalized that often and are great in pass protection. They're going to keep San Darnold clean. Uh, I really love the signing of, of Connor McGovern. He's young. Uh, and I think this is one of those signings where you look back, similar to Brian Poole last year, uh, and, and you know, think that this was an absolute home run. These are the type of signings that I think win free agency rather than paying Jack Conklin a ton of money, a guy who, you know, didn't get the fifth year uh, option exercised on him because of the first four years of, or the first three years of his career were, were questionable. He has some, some questions in his pass blocking game. Um, paying big money to a guy like that, a lot of times you get burned. But you look at Connor McGovern, it's a very team-friendly deal. He seems like a great locker room guy uh, and just a great fit athletically. But, Michael, what are some of the numbers on Connor that, that maybe can give the Jets some more hope uh, than, than you provided for, uh, for George Fant? Yeah, I love the McGovern signing. And he was clearly the best center on the market uh, going into free agency. And there weren't really any other good ones. There's Matt Skura. He's a restricted free agent. Uh, they tendered him. Ted Karras got retained by the Patriots. But McGovern was clearly number one, and he's going to be such an upgrade. I'm so happy they addressed center because, like you said, it's been a very underrated need. The whole line has been bad in all five spots, but uh, I feel like Harrison was up, started to be overrated by Jets fans because you remember 2018 with Spencer Long just being as atrocious as you could possibly be, especially with the snapping issues. So when Harrison came in there, and was just, you know, actually snapping the ball adequately. I think fans just started to <laughs> look at him a lot better in comparison to what Spencer Long was doing. But, like, he is, he's just really destroyed them in both the passing game and the run game. I feel like, honestly, he was, other than Compton, who you mentioned, probably their second-worst lineman last season. So uh, McGovern's going to be a huge upgrade. And it's not just because, you know, he's better in comparison uh, to these guys who are terrible. He He's a good player, and Joe Blewett's film review really broke it down well, but I put out a whole post on his numbers, and those are really good. Penalties, like you mentioned, he's just incredible there. No penalties over 1,013 snaps in 2019. That's over the entire decade, the third most snaps played by a center in one season without any penalties, so he's great there. And he only had two 
2018, over eight starts at center. So, you know, even if he doesn't have another season with zero, he's probably going to keep him really low. Uh, so he's great with that. Durability, he's really good with. Only missed one game in his career. And pass protection, he's really good. He only gave up 15 pressures last season, over 566 snaps in protection. And to put that into perspective against uh, the three guys Jets have had primarily the last three years, Harrison gave up 20 pressures last season on about 180 fewer uh, snaps in protection. Long gave up 27 uh, Wesley Johnson gave up 23 in 2017 and all those guys played less time than McGovern did. So huge upgrade in pass protection and run game pretty much across the board. It seems like uh, he's an average run blocker, that, which is still a huge upgrade over what they've had. All three of those guys, Harrison Long and Johnson, third percentile in run block grade in uh, the past three seasons. So huge upgrade there. McGovern was 52nd percentile in 2019 and you look at denver's yards before contact per attempt on runs between the a gaps they were 18th there so that kind of supports the notion that he's average in that department so really good pass protector he was in the 87th percentile as a pass protector uh, in terms of pass blocking grade Uh, and the run blocking numbers are pretty much uh, average so he's definitely and you also have to keep uh keep in mind he's only started 24 games at center in his career, this was this past season was his first full season there. Uh, he took over for Matt Paradis in the second half of 2018. So you know he's could still have some room to grow there, but he's had a really good start. Uh, there's a good argument that he's somewhere around the you know top 10 center in the league. So it's real. It, this is the one position where that you can look at and say it seems like they've got that nailed down. Health health provided, center should be locked down with McGovern. Yeah, pretty exciting things. And as you said, you know, he, he's an elite pass protector. And even if he's only an average run blocker, that's still going to allow more room for Le'Veon Bell than he had last year. You know, I think the Jets will be in less second and 10 situations than they have been uh, from last year. You look at the amount of times Le'Veon Bell just got the ball in first down and got absolutely stuffed. I think now with the guy yeah, like... And all those Connor- moments you remember, so many of those were Harrison. Just that should be kept right. in mind. Yeah, exactly. Harrison was was a big issue with the line last year, and I think you're right. Yeah, as soon as he just came in and was able to competently snap the ball, I think Jets fans started to love him. But you go back and watch him. I mean, he gave up a ton of pressures to Sam Darnold. He was not good in the run game. You know, clearly he's liked in the locker room, but it wouldn't surprise me if he's cut. Uh, specifically since they signed Josh Andrews uh, yesterday, who's a guard center. I could see the Jets also you know, drafting an interior offensive lineman and then either cutting Brian Winters or Jonathan Harrison. Um, but, yeah, sticking with the interior offensive line, they signed two guys. Well, they signed Greg Van Roten, and then they re-signed uh, Alex Lewis to presumably be the starting guards uh, for this unit. And they, Joe Douglas really solidified the interior offensive line. He also signed Josh Andrews as a depth piece. Um, so for those three guys, you know, I'm a fan of the signings. I know Greg Van Roten wasn't necessarily the guy that, that Jets fans dreamed of signing. It clearly seems like Douglas, uh, you know, probably preferred Joe Tooney. But uh, Van Roten, a diehard Jets fan, grew up in New York, has some great pass blocking grades. And Michael, as you said, uh, low penalty count. And then it go, you turn to Alex Lewis. You know, I think some Jets fans overrate him and then some Jets fans criminally underrate him as well. You look back at what he did last season with not much help going on at center, not much help going on at left tackle. Uh, Alex Lewis had some pretty impressive highlights at, at times. Um, and so, you know, I think the Jets have really solidified the interior of, of their offensive line, which is a big issue for them uh, with McGovern, with Van Roten, uh, with Lewis. And then lastly, Josh Andrews, a really nice depth signing. I, I know I did a little foreplay review of Andrews. I watched his game against the Steelers last year, and he had some highlights in that game. So, and as I mentioned in that 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 Twitter thread, you know, your offensive line in September is often not the same offensive line as it is in December. 
Offensive line depth is something that the Jets have critically uh, struggled with. I think a guy like Andrews is a signing you'll look back on and be grateful for because I think he'll be playing some meaningful snaps in November and December, and he'll be able to impress specifically with his run blocking. But, Michael, kind of break down those three guys I just mentioned, those interior offensive linemen, Van Roten, bringing back Lewis, and then bringing in the depth piece in Josh Andrews. So to start with Lewis, I'm I'm with you. I feel like there are a lot of fans who overrate him quite a bit and think, you know, he was really good or he was solid. I don't think I'd quite go there, but I think there are also a contingent – of fans and pro football focus also, I think underrates him. They had him in the 24th percentile in overall grade among guards last season. I don't think he was quite that bad. I feel like he's just, I feel like he's really average in both phases. He came in last season, replaced Osemele who was struggling in the beginning of the season. And he had some really good moments throughout the season. And I was going back and watching some of the games that really brought his grade down. And just some of those games, he was not as bad as the grades kind of laid him out to be, especially there was a game against Cincinnati where his run blocking grade was really low. And that's where he is worse. He's worse in the run uh, run game than the past game in terms of his numbers. But I like Alex Lewis. I think he's a pretty average guard. He does have durability concerns. He missed an entire season a couple years ago, only played 10 games uh, in each of his first two seasons. He did a good job this past season only missing the week 17 game against Buffalo, but he does have those durability concerns, but I'm in the middle. He's not really good. I don't think he's as bad as these numbers or, you know, uh, a below average player. I think he's as about as average as it can get. He doesn't have overwhelming athleticism or strength, but I feel like he really gets a job done at a decent consistency. Uh, Greg Van Rowen on the opposite side, another guy who has you know somewhat of durability concerns. He missed four games at the end of last season with a toe injury, but that's not something you would think would linger on going forward. He played all 16 uh, in 2018, but Van Roten kind of goes with the theme, and I think Lewis fits into this as well, and his numbers kind of back it up, that uh, the Jets are going with a lot of pass protection first, guys, and you know Fant doesn't really fit in with this, but at least on the interior, McGovern, uh, Greg Van Roten, and Lewis, all three of those are definitely better in pass protection than they are in the run game. But uh, Van Roten finally got a shot to start for the Panthers in 2018. He was he was actually an undrafted player way back in 2012 for the Packers. Hardly played there. He was in the Canadian Football League, bounced around a few practice squads. Finally got to start a left guard in 2018 and didn't put up the best numbers that season. But in 2019, 70th percentile in overall grade, 76th percentile pass blocking grade, 42nd uh, in the run game uh, and his pass blocking efficiency is also 76 percentile. So uh, the pressure numbers lining up with the grade. So passing game put up really good numbers this past season penalties. He keeps those low only two in each of the past two seasons. So that's another theme fan as well. Only had one penalty uh, this past season. So between McGovern van Roten and fan only three penalties between those two guys uh, between those three guys last season. Yeah, so I think, really think Gase was, I think Gase was tired of the uh, the second and 20s. Uh, I think that was a real issue. Uh, I remember just being so frustrated. I forget what game it was. Uh, maybe it was Jacksonville. I think it was there was Cincinnati. one game. I think it, was it was Cincinnati, Cincinnati where they literally could just not stop getting penalty. Yeah, it was Cincinnati. Yeah, and, and the one thing is, though, Alex Lewis does have problems with penalties. Six in each of the uh, past two seasons he's played, and he didn't start in every single game those two seasons, so he's slightly penalty prone. But uh, there's going to be some added value with the penalty reduction and it's not the biggest thing it's not even close to just uh, the overall value of every single snap because you know it's such a small difference a handful of penalties but there is still value to be had there so that should help but Van Rowan and watching some of his film I think it really lines up 
with the numbers. He's not a big difference maker in the run game. He does struggle there a little bit. And, you know, he doesn't have overwhelming athleticism or strength, but I think he's just technically sound in the right place at the right time and overall puts up a really good consistency in the passing game. And I was a little skeptical of if the scheme's kind of helping him out with those numbers, but what kind of dispels that is that the guy next to him at center, Matt Paradis, uh, he put up easily the worst pass protection numbers among centers. So, you know, he definitely was not being helped out uh, by what Carolina was doing. But he put up some good numbers. Van Roten put up good numbers in pass protection. Uh, if those three guys, uh, Van Roten, Lewis, and uh, McGovern can put up, can t- continue to play uh, the way they have in pass protection, then they should do a pretty good job in that phase. We'll see what happens in the run game. Uh, but at least in pass protection, it seems like there's a good shot. They're going to get much better performance on the interior than they did uh, not just last season, but the past few years. Yeah, and I think the thing with the low penalties, it, it does point to good technique. I think a lot of times you see a guy who has a lot of penalties, it, it points to bad technique, a guy who gets beat and then starts to cheat a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I'm encouraged by the low penalty numbers and the durability. Uh, and, yeah, I think Joe Douglas has a really good job of, of strengthening the interior of that offensive line. It just reminds me a lot of what the Bills did last offseason, signing a lot of kind of these lower mid-tier veteran options to boost their offensive line, spending the money at center. They did it with Mitch Morse. The Jets are doing it with Connor McGovern. Uh, and you just saw the, the results that the Bills had with their offensive line. They had just a really deep, solid unit. And that's really all the Jets need this year to just be a massive upgrade. If they could just build a solid unit, even an average unit, something that can give Sam Darnold some time and open up some holes for Le'Veon Bell, maybe an offensive line that can get to the second level every once in a while, I think you'll just see Adam Gase's offense take major steps forward. I'm not saying it'll be the end-all, be-all, but you look at what they were dealing with last year, it's kind of hard to blame Gase and Darnold and Bell for some of their uh, misgivings during that the 2019 season. Um, well, let's move ahead to the defensive side of the football because that's where we've seen a few more of these depth signings. Uh, but there was a big one today we'll get to first. Pierre Desir, you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, cornerback. I think a lot of Jets fans were getting nervous about the cornerback position um, because right now the only guys there had been uh, Bless Austin and Daryl Roberts. Roberts got cut. Um, the Jets brought back Poole to be in the slot, and they also brought back Millette as the depth option. So Joe Douglas over the past few days, has kind of slowly given me more confidence in this unit. He asked Pierre Desir, who had an amazing 2018 season. Uh, he's had less so of a 2019 season, but he battled injuries. Uh, Bless Austin is a guy that I think showed a lot of potential in 2019 and could potentially take the next step into being a top, you know, mid-tier at least, starting outside corner. And then obviously Brian Poole had a, a terrific year in the slot. Then you look at, yeah, you have a guy like Arthur Millette who came on at the end of last year. And then Nate Harrison, who is... Not great outside, but he's a pretty solid depth option in the slot. So I think Joe Douglas slowly has built, you know, a solid uh, cornerback uh, unit. There's a lot of ifs in that unit. Can Brian Poole repeat 2019? Can Bless Austin take the next step? Can Pierre Desir repeat 2018? But I kind of like the direction the unit is moving forward. I expect them to use a pick on day two on another corner. Maybe they'll sign another guy uh, in free agency, uh, you know, in addition to Pierre Desir. But, Michael, what are your thoughts on Pierre Desir and the numbers uh, that show what he can bring to the Jets secondary? Yeah, at the value they got him, he's a, a, a really good pickup. They needed an, a veteran guy on the outside because as well as Austin and Millette played last season, you can't go. It's just not enough security to go with them, too. Uh, with as unproven as they are into next season. So they really needed one of those guys, whether it was Desir or Amukamara. It seemed like it was likely they'd sign one of them. And here is Desir with the Jets now just one day after he gets cut. So like you said, he struggled in 2019, did not 
put up very good numbers this year, but he had a hamstring or uh, hamstring injury early in the season. He missed a few games with that. And then even when he came back, he was still on the injury report pretty much every week. So obviously that's not a good injury for a cornerback to be dealing with and playing through. And it showed up in his production. But the season before that, his first season as a full-time starter with the Colts, he was really good uh, in coverage. He was very solid and over the 70th percentile, uh, 75th percentile in coverage grade and also in terms of yards per cover snap using the 73rd percentile there uh, but what he where he really played well in 20 uh, 2018 was in run defense and as a tackler and uh, that's something those two guys did really well Millette and Austin for the Jets this past season neither of them missed a tackle against the run and Desir did that as well in 2018 with the Colts he made 20 tackles against the run without missing a single one that's the second most among cornerbacks his run defense grade was fourth best at the position so he was very good and that phase and his overall tackling uh, tackling efficiency, even when you throw in the passing game, was really good. He made 55 tackles against the pass, only missed two. Uh, that gave him the fourth lowest miss rate at the position. So that's something he did really well. Uh, the Colts did drop their cornerbacks back into zone quite a bit, and he did a good job uh, getting underneath and making tackles. And that's something that uh, that's what the Jets were doing really well at cornerback in the latter half of the season. They started playing well, just having Austin and Millette dropping back, playing their role well. They were not having to take on the toughest assignments man-to-man, but just executing their role, making tackles, and that's what Desir did really well for the Colts in 2018. So if he can stay healthy, and that's the first part of it, he's got to stay healthy, but uh, then at that point, he's got to replicate what he did in 2018 because you know it was his only you know full-time season as a starter, uh, so we don't know if he can replicate it, but if he can stay healthy if he can replicate what he did that season, uh, he'll be a huge upgrade for them on the outside over what they were dealing with in the beginning part of the season, in the first half of the season, uh, and definitely a great value on the deal they got him for. So very worthy gamble, the exact type of signing they needed to make. And it's just crazy to think that I, I'm. this could be fact-checked. Actually, no, this is true, but Tremaine Johnson had a bigger cap hit last season than this whole cornerback position does right now. So... Uh, and all these guys are better than him. Desir is better than him. Millette is better than him. Austin is better than him. So uh, this position is better younger. than him. Yes, I'm better than him. You're better than <laughs> him. Uh, anyone at PFF is better. Than, anyone on Jets Twitter is better than him, I think, honestly. Not, and I think we should test that. We should probably ask him to come out and have a uh, who, who should we have throwing the pass? I, mean, I got fluid hips. To test it. I, got, I got fluid hips. I think I could be a pretty solid corner. I got long. I, I actually have really good ball skills. I was playing against uh, my <laughs> sure brothers do. today, and they're in uh, middle school and high school. So I think I could definitely take them. But anyway, this position is cheap now. I think that's what's really good. Because cornerback is it's such a volatile position, and you really have to, uh, if you're going to pay someone big money, like some of the corners that got paid in free agency, I think some of them were overpaid, like Bradbury. Uh, players like him because it's just so hard to find consistencies. Uh, so the fact that the Jets are really cheap there, they've got upside with Desir, who even though Desir is going to be 30, uh, you know, you just have that potential based on what he showed a couple seasons ago. You're not committed to him uh, beyond this year. You got a guy in Bless Austin who's on a rookie deal, showed a lot of potential last season. Millette is back on a one-year deal. Poole's on a one-year deal after his great season. Uh, so they're really financially flexible there with a lot of upside, but very little risk financially. So I really like the way this cornerback position has shaped out. 
Yeah, that's a big thing, and and obviously the the big difference uh, that's been noted between McCagnan and Douglas is that McCagnan would often come into free agency with a set price point for a guy, but it would often go out the window. You know, the the example that's often pointed to is C.J. Mosley clearly wanted to return to Baltimore, but then McCagnan just kept up in the offer until it became ridiculous, and and C.J. Mosley was not going to turn it down. Yeah. Joe, like Douglas as much is- as I like C.J. Mosley, like those are the kind of moves like that are going to hurt you long-term. And, you know, the Jets did pay for it a little bit this season with their cap space, but the the approach that Douglas has taken is really going to pay off long-term. Well, yeah, it's like, yeah, you paid him, uh, I think it was, you know, 17. He might have had a lower cap hit in 2019, but you paid him all that money, and then he missed 15 games. You know, I guess maybe 14 games because he barely played in that Patriots game. But, you know, there are things you can't predict that come with free agency. I mean, a football player can be really good, but at a certain price tag – these guys are playing one of the most violent sports out there. You can't really necessarily trust the durability. You can't trust the consistency over time. I mean, free agency is is you're asking for trouble. Uh, and often the, the teams that win free agency aren't the teams that win uh, in December. Um, but I, I like that Douglas is coming to free agency, set a price point, and he's sticking to it. He has his market value for you, and he's not going to overpay, you know, I think there are some situations where he could go above that market value if he really feels he needs to get a certain player. But I like what he's done. I mean, you look at that Brian Poole contract. If you would have asked us before free agency to sign Brian Poole for a $5 million deal, I mean, I would have thought you were crazy. I thought Poole was at least going to get, if he was going to do a one-year deal, I thought he was at least going to get, you know, $7 million, $8 million. If you're going to do a two-year deal, something more. But one year, $5 million. If Poole repeats it, you extend him, you give him a nice long uh, contract. Uh, and if he doesn't, then you let him walk. Um, but one year, five million for pool is great. Same with, with this year, as you talked about, and even McGovern, a signing that I really liked. Um, and I think a lot of other teams would be interested in McGovern, but they, the Jets were able to get him for three years, $27 million, very team friendly deals. He's just keeping cap space open. Uh, and, and, you know, I think the other thing that, that, uh, Jets fans haven't really talked about enough is he, I'm sure Joe Douglas has learned a lot from Ozzie Newsome. Uh, and, you know, hopefully that's the type of a pedigree that we're getting from Douglas. But I also think he, he learned how to manage the cap uh, with Howie Roseman, who's kind of known as as a contract wizard uh, and, and how he manages the cap and how he builds contracts. I'm sure that Douglas picked up a lot of those skills. You know, he's front loading a lot of these deals to free up space in 2021. I'm kind of interested how this next week will go, how many other guys he signs. But, you know, I had a feeling that Douglas would really pick uh, on that that tier two of free agency, I thought maybe he would take another swing. I think he planned to swing at Tooney. I think that was going to be his big top tier free agency, but uh, top tier free agent. But I really love what he's done with this second wave. You know, other guys that he signed: Marquis Christian, a safety. I think that'll be the third safety for the Jets. Jamal Adams is backup. Uh, that's a guy that that's probably re- replacing Rontez Miles. Uh, they also brought back Neville Hewitt. Uh, they have not really saved Williamson. I hope they don't because I think Mosley and, and Williamson is just a great middle linebacker, middle linebacking duo. And then you have Hewitt and Cashman as the backups. Uh, and, and yeah, so that's what Joe Douglas has done in free agency so far. Uh, he's he's added some starters, at, built out the depth. He still has another week. Uh, there are some positions, though, that, that the Jets still have to address. They still need a, a second-string quarterback. They still will probably bring back a or, or add another running back in free agency. Maybe they'll bring back Bilal Powell. Maybe they'll add somebody else. They still have to figure out the receiver position, what will happen with Robbie Anderson. You know, they'll probably bring in, bring in at least one receiver, if that's Robbie Anderson, maybe two receivers. Uh, they might bring in another tackle. We don't really know. Maybe they'll just wait till the draft. Maybe they'll bring in a guy like Jason Peters. Uh, edge is, is a big concern for the Jets right now. They don't really have anybody out there. They have Terrell Basham uh, right now. I'm trying, Who's the other edge on the roster outside of Terrell Basham? Um, Phillips. Yeah, and, and well, Kyle, isn't he more of a defensive end? 
I mean, he's considered an edge. I th- yeah, he's pretty much like a five technique. So, so yeah, they don't really have any outside linebackers. So I would right. They don't have like a true stand-up outside linebacker who can rush the edge. So I'd imagine Douglas will attack that. Uh, maybe another corner, uh, and then we still don't really know what's going to happen with the the specials, kicker, or punter. Um, you know, they have Brett Maurer as the kicker right now, but I imagine they'll probably bring in an undrafted free agent or somebody, or maybe a rookie. Um, but those are the holes right now. So, Michael, before we end the podcast, let's go ahead and look at some of the guys the Jets could bring in in this next week of free agency um, and, and how they can tack some of these holes because Douglas isn't done. I think, obviously, he's going to build through the draft. That's where he's going to bring in the majority of the talent. But he's using free agency the way that good teams do. He's using it as a tool, not the end-all, be-all. So let's start with the second-string quarterback because I think that is definitely a position the Jets will add in free agency. I don't think they want to go with the young route. Uh, I don't think they want to go with a rookie that they have to get to know a playbook or whatnot. I think they want to bring in a veteran who has starting experience that they're comfortable with if Darnold goes down because, yeah, I mean, 2018, Darnold's rookie year, he missed three games, and then last year he missed three games. You know, the toe injury and the mono may be both fluky things, but just still something to keep an eye on. Uh, I think some of the names out there and the most intriguing one is probably Matt Moore just because he already has experience in Adam Gase's system. I think that's probably the most likely option. You know, other guys uh, they could consider maybe Joe Flacco, who uh, did not pass his physical with Denver and was released. Uh, but, Michael, you know, are you interested in those two guys? Is there anybody else that you think Joe Douglas should target? Or do you think they should maybe just look, you know, take a late-round flyer on a guy in the draft and go that route? I agree with you. I do think a veteran is the way to go. And because you mentioned it, like, even though those two things are pretty fluky, like like you said, the mono and the toe injury, like, those aren't things that are going to linger on over, you know, into future years. It's not something you have to worry about recurring. But uh, he did miss three games in each of his first two seasons, so his next full season will be his first. Uh, and, and even so, even if he were a durable player, you just want to have security back there at your backup spot. We've seen so many teams in recent history now have success with their backups in 2017, the Vikings with Keenum, the Eagles, obviously uh, with Nick Foles. So there's just been so many success, uh, success stories with backup quarterbacks recently. And it's the most uh, important position in the sport. So to have depth there obviously matters. I feel like depth at quarterback really gets underrated just because uh, it's not because they don't play unless, you know, the quarterback plays every single down. So the fact that you don't have to see them unless the starter gets hurt, I feel like they kind of get underrated. But then once the quarterback actually does get hurt and it does happen a lot because most quarterbacks do not play 16 games, uh, then that's when you really see how valuable that position is. And the Jets really haven't had a good backup in a while. We thought we did with McCown 2018, but he did not play well at all. That season, you know, he's nearly 40 years old, but I agree the two names you listed. Flacco is the connection with Douglas from Baltimore. And and you mentioned Matt Moore. He has the connection with Adam Gase. He actually, you know, helped him get to the playoffs in 2016. So uh, when Gase was with Miami and, and Moore has done a pretty decent job as a backup in quite a few places. So uh, either of those two guys didn't make sense. Flacco is obviously not a good starting quarterback anymore, but as a backup, you can do a lot worse than him. And both of them have the connections as well. So I think the backup definitely a veteran backup makes sense over a young guy, because I think with the Jets, you are, even though they're rebuilding, I think the goal is for Sam Darnold to, you know, take a big step, the O line to take a big step uh, and to compete a little bit. I don't think they're uh, in the place yet, where they really need to think about developing a young guy quite yet. And you could still, if you really like a quarterback, take him in the seventh round or sign an undrafted free agent. They have Mike White, who I really don't know anything about, but if they like him, He's around, but I, I I do like the veteran idea for Sam Darn, and especially with him being only 22 years old, still developing. 
uh, to get a guy like Matt Moore, who's been around quite a while, Joe Flacco, who's won a Super Bowl, uh, that could bode well for Darnold. Yeah, as you said, it's, it's a position you don't really think about until you have to think about it, and the Jets surely, uh, surely saw the consequences of it last year with Luke Falk. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think Moore makes a lot of sense. Uh, maybe Flacco. Um, but, yeah, maybe they could make a swing a trade for Andy Dalton if they wanted to or if he got released. Um, but, yeah, I think I think it'll be either Joe Flacco or Matt Moore. Those are the expected ones. I'm kind of interested in what the contract will be because it seems like quarterbacks, you know, generally get overpaid even backup quarterbacks. And Douglas is a guy who seems pretty frugal and doesn't want to go over a certain price point. So maybe that would be the only thing that I could see holding up. But I think Douglas watched firsthand what happens if if the Jets don't address this position. So I do believe he will address it in free agency. The next on the list is a running back. I think the Jets will ultimately draft a running back as well, but I think they want somebody, a proven veteran, to spell Avion Bell. There's a lot of good you know, former starters on the market who still have some tread on their tires that can come in for Le'Veon Bell, you know, play a series, play some downs. If Le'Veon Bell gets hurt, you could be confident in him to start. Um, but as I said, I do think they'll still draft one. They still need a home run hitter. I think that's where they'll address in the draft, but they want that, that running back to that guy who can come in and start some games if necessary. Uh, Michael, who are some of the names in the market outside of re-signing Bilal Powell or Ty Montgomery, which I think are still on the table, uh, more so with Bilal Powell? Who are some guys in the open market that you'd be interested in watching uh, Joe Douglas bring into New York? Well, first, I agree with you that uh, they do need a home run hitter, and the draft is a better place to find that guy because most of the time, the biggest home run hitters in the league, you know, the running backs who put up the highest rate of big runs, uh, those guys are typically younger. Running backs typically start off pretty high, and their careers are just pretty much a downward trend from their rookie year onward. And just the late rounds have been such a, a great place to find value for running back. So I think they should look for one of those in the fourth or fifth round to fill that need. But they could also use a good backup, like pretty much the role Bilal Powell played for them this past season. A guy who could, you know, if Le'Veon Bell gets hurt, can step into that role. And even though not be quite as good as Le'Veon Bell, is just bring the same skills to the table, you know, being able to pass protect, catch passes out of the backfield, protect the football and those are things Powell does pretty well so even though he's up there he's a good option to come back and continue filling that role I think that's definitely something they should look into but uh, there are a lot of decent names out there and two guys stick out to me because I'm a huge fan of what running backs do in the passing game most importantly because the run game is just so reliant on the offensive line we saw that with Le'Veon Bell this past season as good as we saw him play throughout the season his production just could not overcome how come just could not overcome how bad this offensive line was uh, in terms of run blocking but in the passing game that's where you have a lot more control over what you're doing you could still keep your drop rate down you could still do a good job in pass protection you could still make guys miss after the catch win your routes uh, when you do get the when you do get the chance to run them so uh, I feel like running backs have a lot more control over what they do in that phase so that therefore makes it more important and Chris Thompson Theo Riddick are out there two guys who have done a really good job in the passing game throughout their career. So those two guys make sense. There are a few other veteran guys out there. Uh, Lamar Miller is a guy who I feel like Miller should be getting a starting spot. But, you know, if he doesn't, he's a perfect guy to spell Le'Veon Bell. He's great with ball security, doesn't fumble a lot, doesn't drop a lot of passes, good in pass protection. So uh, if Lamar Miller doesn't get a starting spot, I'd definitely be all over that to back up Le'Veon Bell. But I like Chris Thompson and Theo Riddick in the passing game. But overall, if you can get Powell, one of those guys I just mentioned, someone who could give you that passing game value that Bell offers, give you close to that if he gets hurt, uh, or if you want to just give him a rest for a drive or two. I feel like that's what they should be after in the free agent market. 
Yeah, I think another guy you could look at is Deion Lewis or maybe Devontae Foreman. Uh, Freeman, excuse me, from from Atlanta who just got released with them signing Todd Gurley. Yeah, I think you want a guy that you're just comfortable can come in the game. And, and as you said, uh, you just, you know, in the past years, you've just seen tremendous value on day three uh, for running back. So I definitely expect Joe Douglas uh, to address it there because I would imagine this is Le'Veon Bell's last year in green and white. Even if he plays pretty well, I just don't think Joe Douglas or Adam Gase believe in paying a running back that much. And there is an out after this year. Um, so I'd imagine this is Le'Veon Bell's last year. So they probably want to address it in the draft and then, you know, sign a guy that you're comfortable with just in case, you know, some of his injury issues uh, pop up. Now, the receiver position, that's next on the list. And that's probably the most important because I think that is, you know, something will definitely happen in the next few days at this position. You might be listening to this podcast and something has already happened. Um, but as of recording this podcast, it's Sunday night. Robbie Anderson has not re-signed. That's the big domino to fall. And I think the Jets aren't going to do anything until that happens. And he's being patient. You know, I thought Robbie was going to be a guy that would sign in the first few days of free agency, but he's being patient, weighing his options. You know, his market clearly hasn't developed uh, the way that some thought it could. You know, some people thought, you know, because he's such an elite deep threat, he has such elite speed, he's shown some good ball skills, um, that there could be a bit of a bidding war that could get up to 13, 14, 15 million a year. Uh, Fortunately for the Jets, that hasn't happened for him. You know, Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, signed a two-year, $16 million deal last year. He was the other top free agent on the uh, on the market. So that kind of shows you where the market is, making eight, eight, uh, $8 million a year. So I think Robbie is probably getting offers around $9 million, maybe $10 million a year. Uh, and that bodes well for the Jets because I think that's where the Jets want to try to pay him. I could see Robbie maybe just taking a one-year prove-it deal and trying to cash in next year, especially with the new TV deals. Um but, I, you know, hopefully the Jets could get back Robbie on a two- or three-year deal just to get some security at that position. I think that is the main priority for Joe Douglas at the moment. I think he's the guy that the Jets fans all want to see come back. He just has a great chemistry with, with Sam Darnold. He is one of the Jets' few homegrown talents on this team, and he's steadily improved each of his you know each of his years in the NFL. I know 2017 statistically was his best year, but I still thought he's shown improvement as an overall more complete player each year in the NFL. Um, so... You know, I hope he comes back. Other guys on the market, I know, Michael, you're a big fan of Tajay Sharp. Maybe you could talk a little bit about him. And there are a few other guys, Philip Dorsett, who the Jets have already showed some interest in, and Brashad Perriman. Michael, who out of those options intrigues you? And what do you think Joe Douglas will ultimately do? Do you think he'll just sign Robbie Anderson? Do you think he'll bring in Robbie and another one of these guys? Do you think he'll just sign one of these guys, two of them? Just, Just what do you think Joe Douglas would and should do at the receiver spot? I hope Robbie Anderson comes back, and I feel like at this point he could be a good candidate to take uh, a sort of Alshon Jeffrey kind of deal, uh, like what Jeffrey did a couple years ago. Came in as one of the top targets, didn't really have his market play out the way that he expected it to, obviously, and he took a one-year deal with the Eagles, played good for them, and then he cashed in after that. I could see Robbie Anderson doing that. Uh, Best case for the Jets, if you can get him locked up two to three years at the you know cheaper per year value, than initially thought that 10 million range, you know, that would be great for them. They can get him locked up at that affordable price. But I do think that he'll take one year deal and that still works for the Jets. Uh, So hopefully they can get him. Uh, I still don't think just like from the start that the Jets are going to be where he's going. Some of his tweets haven't really pointed us in that direction. And a certain beat reporter who we actually might have on next week, he put out a tweet that kind of, you know, uh, what was it he put out a picture of a solar eclipse eclipse. yeah it's crazy that this is reporting in 2020 this is like the stuff we're paying attention to of free agency but you know i do i just don't really 
Uh, I definitely think it's possible. I'm 50-50 on it. I hope he comes back, but I think there are a lot of signs that he won't be, but uh, hopefully he does. And even if he does, they're going to need to add some more depth there. And there was a pretty big domino that fell to, uh, that did fall today. Quincy Noon was uh, $6 million became guaranteed today. So that's pretty big. I think it was questionable whether or not he would even continue playing, uh, but it seems like he does want to, and he's been rehabbing. Uh, so it looks like he's going to be in the picture. Obviously you can't rely on him with his injury history. So they do need some help there. A little bit more security. Like you mentioned, I'm a big fan of Tajay Sharp, but uh, just because of what he put up statistically, he put up some really good numbers in terms of yards per target this season. He had no drops. Uh, his first down rate was really good. He had four touchdowns and a really small diet, uh, small diet of targets. Uh, so he's a guy who's not, you know, not going to be an answer for you, has never put up too much production. But his efficiency this season is something that uh, at this stage of free agency is definitely worth gambling on. He's only 25 years old. So I like Sharp quite a bit. Dorsett is a guy who I think can come in and give you a good deep threat. Isn't a great all around player. Never been uh, too good of a producer in terms of efficiency or volume. Uh, but you know what he can bring in terms of being able to get down the field. Uh, and Brashad Perriman is a guy I'm pretty surprised is still on the market at this point. I thought he's going to be one of the most overpaid players in free agency because of how great his finish to the season was. But uh, he's still out there. And uh, my thought on him was that if he did get signed early, it would just be too big of an investment for what was a really good final month of the season after a very disappointing first few years of his career. But at this point, now Perriman becomes the perfect signing uh, in terms of where we're at a free agency to be able to gamble on what he did. Uh, one of the best receivers in the league in the month of December for Tampa Bay to gamble on that at this stage for not, you know, too much of an investment. That's where he makes a lot of sense. So uh, if they can get Brashad Perriman, that'd definitely be a great get as well. But I think those are the three guys I'm looking at Tajay Sharp, Brashad Perriman and Philip Dorsett, who actually was rumored as uh, it was rumored. The Jets were negotiating with him, I believe on the first day of legal tampering. That's yeah. what it was reported, but uh, not too much buzz there since. And I'm, I, I would think the Jets are probably waiting on Robbie Anderson to move forward with Dorsett. And obviously they could lose him to another team, but uh, I feel like that Robbie Domino's the big one to fall before they start to do anything else there. But there are some decent names out there. They're going to need some more depth, whether they get him back or not. Yeah, and lastly, kind of the big need that I think the Jets will address in free agency before there are two that they kind of already have addressed and could target. Um, but the last one I definitely think Joe Douglas will sign in free agency is the edge position, because as we talked about, they really only have Terrell Basham on the roster um, as an outside linebacker. Uh, you know, they're rumored to be in- interested in Vinny Curry. He's nece- not necessarily a 3-4 outside linebacker. He's kind of like what you said, a 5 technique, a-, a Kyle Phillips type of pass rusher, um, but comes from Philadelphia. It's rumored that Joe Douglas likes him. He had five sacks last year. Uh, he's a guy that-, that I could definitely see the Jets signing. Uh, and then there are guys like Jordan Jenkins. Could the Jets bring him back? I'm glad the Jets didn't, you know, overpay him at the start of free agency or try to re-sign him to a $10 million deal or whatnot. Um, reportedly, the Jets are interested in bringing him back, but the offer that they offered him was deemed too low by Jordan Jenkins. Maybe he's another candidate to take a one-year deal, try to prove himself. And then Marcus Golden um, from the Giants um, is another kind of player, very similar to Jenkins, not an elite pass rusher, but he's a hustle player. He will hustle himself to you know eight to 10 sacks on the year, but he's more of a run stopper. So, Michael, out of those options or any other guys, who do you think uh, Douglas uh, should go after, and who do you think he will go after? I really like Vinny Curry, and he is uh, another guy who actually, it was rumored the Jets were uh, negotiating with, were high on a few days ago, but there hasn't been much 
uh, movement on that front since then. But uh, I really like Curry because even though he's going to be 32 years old, uh, he gives you he gives the Jets exactly what they need. They need pass rushing juice on the edge. They have plenty of good run defenders. They have Phillips and Basham both did a good job. And at every level, they're very good in run defense. But pass rushing juice is what they need. And Curry is only a situational pass rusher. He doesn't play. Uh, he mostly plays on passing downs, doesn't get a ton of snaps per game. But uh, he is very efficient for the Eagles this past season. Uh, his efficiency was, I believe, the 93rd percentile among edge rushers in terms of producing pressures on a per snap basis. So, And he's been consistent. Other than the one season he spent with the Buccaneers, his production went way down that season. But other than that one season, he's been really good consistently with the Eagles. So it seems like he still has a lot left in the tank. He could give them some situational pass rushing juice. And like you said, he's not a stand-up guy, more of a five technique, hand in the dirt. Uh, but they have been using guys in that role. Like you can kind of take Kyle Phillips's uh, his snaps down a little bit because Phillips, as great he, as he was in the run defense, he did a very good job there. He was very quiet as a pass rusher. So if you can kind of split them a little bit in terms of uh, what the down distance is, I think Curry can really help them out in the pass rushing game. But uh, Marcus Golden is another good one. He's uh, a guy who I thought was going to go early on too. I think a lot of people thought he was. He put up some big numbers, but I think there was a little bit of flukiness to those numbers in terms of hustle pressures, hustle sacks, things like that, that aren't quite as valuable, uh, kind of, kind of inflate the numbers a little bit in terms of their real value. But uh, at this stage, he is a good, uh, a good guy to look at if you can get him affordably. And Jordan Jenkins, I agree with you, uh, good move on their part, not giving him a huge deal. But at this stage, if you can get him back on a one year deal or something more affordable, more kind of, you know, below average kind of uh, rotational player kind of money on a long-term deal. If you can get that, then it definitely makes sense because there are things he does well. He is a decent pass rusher, a decent run defender, uh, and that's quite a lot better than terrible, and, and that is definitely valuable uh, for the Jets. So if you can get him back affordably, it makes sense. But uh, Curry is the guy I really like because uh, they need pass rushing help, and he is uh, able to still provide some good, a very good pass rushing efficiency as a situational rusher. Yeah, I agree. I think they will sign Curry, and then I do think they'll either bring back Jordan Jenkins or Marcus Golden on kind of a, a cheaper, prove-it type of deal. Maybe Golden would, would be a two- or three-year deal, but ultimately I do think the Jets will bring back Jordan Jenkins and sign a guy like Vinny Curry. They have to find a way to stimulate pass rush or stimulate pass rush. You know, the big hope for them is that Quinn and Williams can take the next step, and then whoever they draft, presumably they'll, they'll take an edge on day two of the draft, maybe with one of the thirds uh, that, that he can get after the quarterback uh, in a consistent manner because Greg Williams needs to find, you know, somebody who can just get consistently after the quarterback. Terrell Basham did show uh, quite a bit towards the end of the season, so maybe there's some hope for him. Uh, lastly, before we close the episode, two positions that the Jets have already addressed, but maybe we'll dip back in uh, uh, to the free agent market, tackle and cornerback. Tackle, I think, is maybe less likely because – uh, well, actually, I, I shouldn't say that. I do think Joe Douglas will address tackle in the draft, but he could go and sign a, a you know depth guy in free agency. Um, but what I do think is more unlikely is is the higher end type of guys. You know, he does have experience with Jason Peters, but just given the athleticism that it seems Gase wants in his tackles, I don't know if 39 year old Jason Peters will cut it. But I would certainly be in favor of bringing in Jason Peters. They could also try to swing a trade for Trent Williams, whose price tag right now is a second rounder, which the Jets don't seem to want to do, but maybe they could swing a third this year and a fifth in 2021 for him. 
um, just to try, you know, solidify that line because you're you're taking a gamble right now with Adoga and Fant. One of those guys is going to have to start at the moment, maybe both, um, and a rookie. So it does make sense to bring in a veteran. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they did one of those moves, but uh, I do think Joe Douglas would probably opt for the cheaper second, you know, tier uh, type of tackle, and then cornerback. They signed this year today, but they're, again, they're, they're betting on it their own. They're betting on Blashawn Austin uh, and Arthur Millette. And, you know, who's to say if, if Blashawn Austin got hurt or if, if Pierre Desir got hurt, then all of a sudden you're looking at your, a weak spot at cornerback. So I think they could double dip at corner, even though I think they will take somebody again on day two of the draft. Maybe a guy like Bashad Breeland or, or Prince of Mukamara. But, Michael, on those two positions, do you think Douglas will uh, circle back in free agency and add somebody else, or do you think he's going to wait until the, the, to the draft? I do think for the most part that they're kind of shifting focus to the draft in terms of offensive line. We've already seen five signings there, so they've done a ton of work. But I think Peters and Williams are two guys who are talented enough, uh, talented enough for them to still be looking at it at this point in the offseason. Peters could wait it out quite a while. You know, he's a veteran. You know, he might want to contemplate retirement. I think he is still going to play. I'm pretty sure that's what the reports were. But uh, especially with everything that's been going on, we don't know if training camp is going to get pushed back, anything like that. So uh, he could definitely wait it out quite a bit, kind of see how things play out and see if he wants to if he wants to continue playing where he wants to continue playing there are some other better places if he wants to win now but uh, the Douglas connection is there and for the Jets it makes a lot of sense he gives them some uh, some security so you don't have to rely on a Dogar fan uh, so the rookie tackle can play right tackle if that's more comfortable for him uh, and Peters is still a really good player that's what it all comes down to if he wasn't good anymore at this age then you know probably wouldn't be on the table but uh, he's still really good when healthy uh, so it would make sense for him to get him as a stopgap and for some security. Uh, and, and like you said, he might not even be what they're looking for because obviously he doesn't offer much athleticism. But in terms of what he can bring and uh, pass protection, just technically, he's still a very good player. So he makes sense. I'm, I think they would consider it, but we'll have to see how that plays out, how long that plays out, too, uh, as the offseason goes on. And Trent Williams, like you said, I just don't think. They're going to go to the trade price that the Redskins want right now. But as time goes on, you know, if no one trades for him, uh, the Redskins are probably going to pull that price down because it doesn't seem like uh, it, it doesn't seem likely that Williams is going to be playing there again. So that could be something they look at if the price goes down. But as you said, the reports have been pretty stern. They're not going to give up a second round pick. And I do think that makes sense because they really need those picks right now. Uh, and at cornerback as well, Desir was a great, uh, great move in the right direction. That was uh, the starting move that they needed, a guy who they could rely on to start and has some upside to be a, a good player based on what he did a couple years ago. Uh, just some security without having to invest too much long term uh, and having next to those young guys. But like you said, they could still use some more depth there. You still only have, you know, Millett and Austin, who had a half season of good play Dazir who's got some injury questions. He's 30 years old, so you could still use as much depth as you can get there. So Amukamara, I've mentioned, is still out there. Uh, if they could get him in here as well in a similar deal to to, uh, to Pierre Desir, that definitely makes a lot of sense. They don't necessarily have to do that. They could look more towards the bargain bin uh, rather than a veteran. But uh, I think it makes sense to add another cornerback. I think they will, uh, whether it's Amukamara or Bachad Breland, one of the you know one of the names who have been starting a lot recently. That's up in the air. But I think make, adding another cornerback makes sense so tackle and corner i feel like most of the work has been done they're going to look to the draft there but uh, they could use as much depth as as they can at those two spots and i think they will continue to look for it well overall uh michael well actually before you do that 
we'll wrap up this episode in a few minutes here, but let's just really quickly just let's do a predictions for the second week of free agency. We've kind of run down the options. Let's just say who you think the Jets will sign in this week. I'll start to give you some time. Uh, if I had to make my predictions on, on what Joe Douglas will do over the course of the next seven days, I do think Matt Moore makes a lot of sense just because Adam Gase, you know, he has the, he has the familiarity with Gase. I think at running back, I think they'll probably bring back Bilal Powell. I would be interested in looking at, at Freeman from uh, from Atlanta, but I think Bilal Powell just has familiarity with the scheme, has been pretty consistent his his entire career, um, has been a good blocker, good receiver. I think he'll bring come back. I do ultimately think Robbie Anderson returns to the Jets. I know the tweets haven't necessarily pointed that direction. I think he'll sign a one-year, you know, maybe a one-year $9 million deal, one-year $10 million deal and try to prove it. Um, if I were the Jets, I would also double dip and then go sign Tajay Sharp. He can kind of fill Demarius Thomas's role from last year. But I, I probably think the Jets will just stick with Robbie Anderson and then look to the uber-talented, um, you know, 2020 draft for receivers. But, you know, the, the benefit you get from signing a guy like Anderson as Sharp is you could still take a receiver, but you don't have to take two. And then maybe you could put off receiver until round three or round four to address the more urgent needs at edge or corner. Um, but right now, yeah, more Powell and, and Robbie. Uh, I don't think they'll sign one of those top tackles like Peters or Trey for Williams. Uh, I do think they'll sign a guy like Vinnie Curry off the edge, and then I think they'll bring back Jordan Jenkins on another one-year prove-it deal. And as far as corners go, I do think they'll add another guy. I could see them bringing in Prince of Mukamara. I, I think they like Blashawn Austin, uh, but I think you don't want to just bet on a guy just because he had a good second half of 2019. I think that would be kind of foolish. Um, but I could see them not doing that and just trusting their, their scouting. But, you know, I, I at this point in free agency, I don't think Mukamara would cost that much. It just gives you some depth. Um, and if a guy like Desir or Mukamara were to go down, you know, your rookie or Blashawn Austin or Arthur Millette could slide in. Uh, but that would be kind of my prediction for what Joe Douglas would do for this overall this next week. Maybe he signed some other free agent that we're not talking about. You know, he signed Marquis Christian um, yesterday. Nobody was talking about that. Maybe a a random defensive lineman or a backup tackle or something. But I think after that, you'll see Joe Douglas fully shift his attention towards that draft. Uh, and we'll have plenty of draft content covering that. But Michael, your prediction over the next week of, of what Joe Douglas might do. I agree with you on a couple. I think Matt Moore is my favorite to be the pick at backup quarterback uh, at running back. I'm going to go with Chris Thompson. I think him being out there is a nice value pickup. He provides value in the passing game. One of the better receivers and I'm, I'm going some bold picks here not really following any of the tea leaves or the signs or anything i'm just going uh with not not necessarily my preferences i'm i do think these are predictions uh but like i said just not really following any signs but i'll go with matt moore quarterback i'll go with chris thompson at running back uh in this case i will follow signs i think they will sign dorsett at some point i don't think they're going to re-sign robbie anderson i hope they do uh but just to bounce it out with you because i think it's 50 50 I'm going to say they won't re-sign him uh, at cornerback. And and looking at this list, there are some decent names out there. Logan Ryan and Logan Ryan is a slot guy, so they probably won't sign him. But Xavier Rhodes and Jimmy Smith are still out there. They're in their 30s, but very good players. Uh, I think Ronald Darby is a the guy they could go after. He really struggled. Uh, and when I, I I mean, he really struggled. He's one of the worst in the league in terms of his numbers last season. But <laughs> what a glowing endorsement. <laughs> yeah, I know. But he's 26 years old and he played on the team that Joe Douglas was with. So, uh, you and know, that connection is there for that. Yeah, he was he was pretty solid before that. And he was uh, also we saw him in the AFC East with Buffalo. But um, I think Darby's a guy that can get one of the guys they can go after. One of uh, a guy who has starring experience, has played well. Uh, but right now his stock is really low because of injuries and his performance last season. So I'll go like with Darby's that. that extra cornerback 
Uh, I do agree with you that they won't make another offensive line move. Uh, another big offensive line move. I don't think they'll sign Peters. I think they'll look at it. But I don't think they will. But I, I think that that's what I'll go with for this next week. Uh, Chris Thompson at running back. Philip Dorsett. At, and also at edge, I think they'll sign Curry. So I'll go Vinny Curry, Philip Dorsett, Chris Thompson, Ronald Darby. And uh, I'm pretty sure that's – oh, and Matt Moore. I think those will be my five. Yeah, some interesting names still out there. And again, this is where you, you win free agency. It's not necessarily that first day, all the big contracts. You look at teams that, that do this depth shopping, this this kind of the mid-tier, low-tier signings. You can find some real gems here. Uh, and, you know, Douglas trusting his pro personnel uh, department, you know, between this and the draft, you know, I do think Douglas has an opportunity to, to completely reshape this roster and put them uh, in, in the right direction in 2020. I like what he's done so far. Michael, if you were to give him a grade for his first week of free agency, what would it be? I would give him a, a, a B plus because I think the approach is what really matters. It's hard to really gauge. I mean, you can't gauge the results until these guys take the field and even years down the line until their entire Jets careers play out. But uh, the approach is what I really like. And it's definitely a, uh, it's night and day against what Mike McCagnan was doing. And it's not that McCagnan was always wrong. He signed some good players and they got injured. He can't do much about that. But uh, I think it's refreshing to see a guy in, in Douglas who I think has a really measured approach. He's working on building, you know, the depth on this roster, the middle part of it. Uh, and he's going to focus on building the core in the draft. And I think that's the right approach. Like you said earlier, he's learned from two of the best uh, over the past decade, Howie Roseman, and more particularly Ozzie Newsome, who we spend more time with. Uh, I think he's learning a lot. He is showing that he's definitely taking a lot from those two guys. And this is an approach that I, I don't think Jets fans are ready for this because we're just so used to coming into every offseason, going after the big names. Uh, and we didn't do that this time. Joe Tooney didn't become available. Like you said, I think they would have gone after him if he were, but they didn't get Conklin or Glasgow. Uh, they didn't go after Clowney or Fowler. And, you know, Clowney's still out there, but um, they didn't go after the big names, and he's focused more on value, uh, kind of betting on his own ability to evaluate the coaching staff uh, and their ability to develop and just building out depth, not really killing the cap, giving themselves flexibility, uh, and just kind of building his own identity and all the while just maintaining, uh, focusing on building out depth, uh, and keeping the, the cap room open going forward this season. Uh, just a really measured approach. That's what I'm a fan of. I can't go too too much higher than that because, uh, again, there's so much progress, uh, projection with a lot of these players. They haven't added too many proven studs other than McGovern. Uh, but the approach I really like, so I'll give him a B plus. Yeah, I agree with you, actually. I think B-plus is, is a good grade. And yeah, he has the mentality right now of building a winner. And we've talked about that a lot as Jets fans of building long-term success. But And GMs have talked about it, but haven't really executed it. This is how you do it. It will come down to how he drafts. It will all come down to if he drafts exactly. well. Because because John Idzik had a similar plan, although I didn't, I, you know, he didn't bring in necessarily high character guys because you remember Dimitri Patterson and, and Mike Goodson, and right. and I, I don't think he got as good a value or whatever. But he did have a similar kind of measured approach built through the draft, and then he just absolutely tanked the draft. So Douglas needs to nail the draft. But if Douglas is, you know, if Douglas is the real deal and he is the the scout that a lot of people around the league think he is and he can nail this draft and the 2021 draft and the 2022 draft and he keeps with this free agency model, maybe occasionally he'll take a big swing every once in a while, but you're watching the mentality of how to build a long-term winner. You know, the Jets might not be a, you know, a playoff team in 2020, but Douglas is building, a, you know, a playoff team and hopefully a contender in 2021 and 2022 and hopefully, you know, for the years to come after that. Uh, I like 
the mentality he has. But again, it will all come down to, as you said, projection of these guys and the draft. I think that could move up to an A minus, though, my great friend, depending on what he does over this next week. I'm just really excited. I think he's just building out the core, building out the depth, really working on the offensive line. And again, the draft will be the, the telltale um, sign for, for the future of this franchise. And, and again, it will come down to some coaching. Um, but that's a discussion for another day. So far, we like what Joe Douglas is doing here at the Cool Your Jets podcast. You can follow us at CYJPod on Twitter. You can follow myself at Ben W. Blessington. You can follow Michael at Michael underscore Nania. You can listen to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, uh, and whatnot. We will have um, an episode with Manish Mehta uh, for the New York Daily News uh, as our next episode. We plan to record it at the end of this week, so it could release you know, late this week, maybe early next week, kind of depending on when we record it. We want to get it out there as soon as possible so the news is is fresh. But he'll just kind of give us some background in, into Joe Douglas's first free agent, uh, first free agency uh, as the GM of, of the New York Jets. Maybe give us some inside scoop on onto what happened with Graham Glasgow and and some other guys. Um, but really excited about that episode. And again, you can go to JetsXFactor.com uh, for for the best Jets content out there. Uh, you get your first month free. Uh, so just, yeah, if you're a dire Jets fan, if you're a big football nerd uh, like us, just check it out. I think it's it's really uh, high-quality content. I'm not just saying that. You just go to the website. I think everything from the graphics uh, down to the analytics to the film, the guys working on it, it's just it's really high-quality stuff. So just make sure you check it out, even if you don't want to pay for for Jets subscription. They, as I said, the first month is free, uh, and especially you know now with, with free agency and the draft, I think it's a really good time to just check it out, see if you like it, and see if you want to uh, stay subscribed. But that will do it for us. Um, you know, I, obviously it's a, a scary time right now. We're all self-quarantining and social distancing, but at least we have a uh, free agency to, to keep us sane. Michael, any last words? Yeah, I mean, it, it is a tough time right now, but we have Joe Douglas as our GM. And, you know, I think that's a pretty good thing to keep us going for the future. Are you, are you binge watching any series right now to, to keep you sane? Or, or are you just fully dialed in onto the JetsXFactor.com producing content on around the hour? <laughs> Well, I'm I'm kind of like you. I've been binge watching Josh Andrews' film. <laughs> it's not not quite The Sopranos, but uh, it's close enough. Close, right, it is close. Do, it is close. Uh, he did have you know a pretty good uh, some good highlights there in that Steelers game. He, he impressed me with his run blocking, but uh, we'll have plenty more depth uh, film sessions, I guess, over this next week, Michael. So we're looking forward to it. We'll have an episode with Manish Mehta, as I said, towards the end of the week, and then uh, we'll have some draft content, maybe some other interviews. Um, part two and three of our Donald series that we kind of didn't finish, but we, we do have part two in the chamber uh, ready to go whenever. So uh, we have all sorts of content coming here from Clear Jets and all sorts of content coming from JetsXFactor.com. But everybody, stay safe, stay healthy, go Jets, and let's hope Joe Douglas wrap it up on this uh, next week of free agency and build the winner. Crowder, Crowder, turns on the Jets, he's going to go all the way, Jamison Crowder, now it's intercepted by Mosley, he's going to score, Jamison!